Welcome to the Lion's Drive. I am Pastor Jimmy Odukoya. I pray this episode blesses you and it reminds you to become the lion that God has called you to be. Be blessed. Matthew 1, where it talks about the genealogy of Jesus, how he came to be. Um, and I found it interesting. How many people have skipped Matthew 1? How many people have actually ever read the whole of Matthew 1? Because me, once I go from, and he begat, he begat. I'm just like, he begat, begat. He begat Jesus. <laughs> the important thing is Jesus. But it was interesting to me because I found myself reading it, and I found some things that were quite interesting that I want to share with you today. But because of time, I'm going to jump to, let's start from verse, Matthew 1, let's go from verse 12. There's, there are not too many begats from there. Matthew 1, 12, the Amplified Version, it says this, After the deportation to Babylon, Jeconia became the father of, oh, Jesus, have mercy. Shiltiel and Shiltiel, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Abihud. Abihud was the father of Eliakim. Eliakim was the father of Azor. Azor was the father of Zadok. Zadok was the father of Akim. Akim was the father of Eliud. Eliud was the father of Eliezer. Eliezer was the father of Martha. Martha was the father of Jacob. <laughs> and Jacob was the father of the husband of by whom was born and who is called Messiah Christ. Now, I, 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 must, I must confess that, you know when we think of the nativity story, Mary is the central figure. Mary is the star of the story. We always start with the fact that Mary came, I mean, was visited by Gabriel. But I began to realize, no, we're not taking away from Mary's shine. Mary is Mary. Mary is Mary. But when you look at the genealogy of Jesus, it wasn't through Mary's line. It was through... It was through Joseph's line. And when I realized that, I began to ask certain questions. And certain things began to go in my mind. So, it was about Joseph's line. Joseph's line was the one that had the promise. If you go up, you see that Joseph was a descendant of David. Remember, he had given the promise to David that his throne would be established forever in 2 Samuel. And when you go down from David, it was 14 generations. Look at, look at verse 17. It says this. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14. From David to the Babylonian deportation was 14 generations. And from the Babylonian deportation to the Messiah was... So I realized the whole plan of salvation, 
The eternal plan of salvation was based on one single word, adoption. The plan of salvation was based on one single word, adoption. Because the prophecy was, Jesus will come from David's line. Joseph was the line of David. But we know that Jesus was not Joseph's biological son. It was, he was God's begotten son. So the whole plan for the fulfillment of prophecy to happen came down to Joseph adopting Jesus. And this right there, for me, blew my mind because it said one thing. It just spoke about the legitimacy of adoption. Oh. Adoption was the plan all along. And it hinged on one man adopting a supernatural child. And when we think back to Carol's service, how difficult that must have been for him. But if he didn't adopt this child, then the whole plan of salvation. And then I wrote this down. Every great move of God starts with one man. Never underestimate what God can use one man to do. Never underestimate what God can use you to do. Noah was one man. Enoch was one man. Abraham was one man. Joseph was one man. Moses was one man. Joshua was one man. Samuel was one man. David was one man. Solomon was one man. Joseph was one man. Jesus was one man. And you, put your name, and is one man. God, what can you use my life to do? I'm only one man. Oh, what God needs, the only thing God needs is one man. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.9, but just as it was written in Scripture, it says, things which the eyes has not seen and the ears have not heard and what has not entered the heart of man all that God has prepared for those who love him, who hold him in affectionate reverence, who obey him, and who gratefully recognize the benefits that he has bestowed. If you love him and you are one man, God can do so much with one man. What if Joseph disobeyed? What if Joseph said, listen, after all, I cannot father a child that is not my own. Oh, no, no, but pastor, it would be very hard for him to disobey since the angel appeared. 
We know stories of people who ran away from God. We do it from God all the time. God can say A, but then we want a will. What if Joseph disobeyed? And I wrote down that sometimes our obedience, the need for us to obey goes bigger than us. Sometimes the destinies of others are tied to our obedience. What if Joseph disobeyed? Well, pastor, sometimes Jesus speaks or God speaks, but sometimes, you know, I take my time to do it, but I still do it, Sha. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. Luke 6, 46 to 49. Look at what it says. Put it on the screen. Luke 6, 46 to 49. It says this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not practice what I tell you. Everyone who comes to me and listens to my word and obeys them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a far-sighted, practical, and sensible man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood occurred, the torrents burst against that house and yet could not shake it. Because why? It had been securely built and founded on the rock. But one who has merely heard and has not practiced, who has not obeyed what I have said, is like a foolish man who builds a house on the ground without any foundation. And the torrent burst against it and immediately collapsed. And the ruin of that house was great. You know, the very meaning of the word Lord means one who has power and authority over. Someone who is a Lord is a ruler by right of preeminence to whom service and obedience are due. So every time when we sing, Lord, I'm available to you, my will I give to you. Lord, what you're saying is you have right, authority, and preeminence over me, and my obedience is what is due to you. A lot of us, we sing the song like this. Lord, I'm available to you. My will I give. But one hand is still on your will. And it becomes a tug of war. Everything came down to one man being obedient. What if he said, hey, hey, how can they say of me? With all this man that I am, I cannot burn my own pekin. <laughs> what if his pride got in the way? What if he said, this is not the plan I had for my own? Because we have plans for our lives, don't we? This is not the plan I had for my life. God, how can you tell me to adopt a supernatural attack? This is not the plan. And I wrote down the mistake we make a lot of times is we think that the life that we have is actually ours. I said the scripture in Sowers, James 1, 17 to 18. It says this, James 1, 17 to 18. It was of his own will, his being God, that he gave us birth as his children by the word of truth so that we will be a kind of first fruit of his creatures, a prime example of what he has created to be set apart to who? Himself. Sanctified, made holy for divine purpose. The reason why you are alive is because he decided to bring you 
to birth you for his purpose. So, sir, ma, your life is not your own. He had plans for his life, but God had other plans. So when God said to David, your lineage, your line will forever be before me on your throne, it was about adoption. So it was, again, showing us an indication of how he planned to adopt us. Joseph adopted Jesus so the plan of salvation could come in effect. It is the same way that Jesus adopted us so salvation can come to effect. Now, one thing that you're going to walk away with today is knowing fully well that you have been adopted. Romans 8.15. We're going to go about adoption real quick. Look at this. Romans 8.15. For you have not received the spirit of slavery leading again to fear of God's judgment, but you have received the spirit of what? As sons. The spirit producing sonship by which we joyfully cry, Abba, Father. Look at Romans 8.23. Romans 8.23. And not only this, but we too who have the first fruits of the Spirit, a joyful indication of the blessing to come, even we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the sign of our as sons, the redemption, the transformation of our body at resurrection. Look at Romans 9, 3 to 5. Romans 9, 3 to 5, we're speaking on adoption. It says this, For if it were possible, I wish... That I myself, this is Paul speaking, were accursed, separated, banished from Christ for the sake of the salvation of my brothers. My natural kinsmen, who are Israelites, to whom belong the adoption as sons, the glory, Shekinah, the special covenants with Abraham, Moses, and David, the giving of the law, the system of the temple of worship, and the original promise. To them belong the patriarchs, and from them, according to his natural descent, came the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, who is exalted and supreme over all, God blessed forever. When Paul says that the Israelites Adoption belongs to the Israelites. He's talking about how God himself adopted Israel. In the line of salvation, in his grand plan, you see adoption playing. What do I mean? How did God adopt Israel? Look at Deuteronomy 14, 1 to 2. It all started with God adopting Israel. It says this, Deuteronomy 14, 1 to 2. You are the sons of the Lord your God. You shall not cut yourselves, nor shave your forehead for the sake of the dead. For you are a holy people, set apart to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you out of all the people who are on the earth to be a people for his own so God started this whole plan with adoption. He looks at Israel. He adopts them and says, from this moment on, I've chosen you. And when he chose them, he adopted them. So when Paul says adoption belongs to the Israelites, that's what he's saying. Look at Deuteronomy 14, 1 to 2. 
I mean, sorry, I just said that. Look at Ephesians 1, 3 to 5. Adoption, Ephesians 3, 1 to 5. It says this, Blessed and worthy of praise be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms in Christ, just as in his love he chose us in Christ, actually selected us for himself as his own, the same way he selected Israel, before the foundation of the world, so that we would be holy, that is consecrated, set apart for his purpose-driven and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined. And lovingly planned for us to be what? Adopted to himself as his own. Children through who? In accordance with the kind intention and good pleasure of his will. Look at Galatians 4, 4 to 5. We're talking on adoption. Galatians 4, 4 to 5 says this. But when in God's plan the proper time had fully come... God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the regulations of the law, so that he might redeem and liberate those who are under the law, that we who believe might be what? As sons, as God's children, with all the rights as fully grown members of a family. So there are two legitimate ways to become a child. The first is birth. The second is adoption. The whole premise of salvation is based on adoption. See, let me segue. For those who are believing for the fruit of the womb, listen, I know that we've been led to believe that if you choose to adopt, it's a sign that you don't have faith. But please allow me to deliver you from the shackles and the opinions and the bondage of people because as I see, on the contrary, our whole premise of faith as believers, our faith that God loves us and chose us and planned for us to be his children and gave us full rights and says you are no longer slaves and now have become sons is all based on what? It's all based on adoption. So if God is telling you to adopt... Adopt. Adoption is not, is not illegitimacy. The whole line. Jesus is the adopted son of Joseph. God adopted the children of Israel. Jesus comes and adopts us as his children and says, now you have full rights. So if Jesus if adoption was a plan for Jesus and adoption was a plan for God, adoption can be a plan for you too. Now, again, we're looking at it from Joseph's perspective. So Joseph was, Jesus was the adopted son of Joseph. 
And I began to look at this. This thing began to fascinate me. And then I wrote something down. The second thing that I wrote was, now, before I say this, let me just preface this in context. Con- Everybody say context. <laughs> because less uh, feminists and strong women come for me. It's in context. The prophecy was in the line of Joseph. So, does that mean that anybody Joseph was connected to would be favored? Have you ever stopped to think how, why, all of a sudden, Mary from nowhere is chosen and favored? What made her chosen and favored? She was chosen and favored because she was connected to the one who the line of prophecy was given. Side note, like I said, this is a Christmas message, but it's a life message. Side note, be careful to who you connect your destiny to. Because I began to think over and over again, what if Joseph was betrothed to a Rebecca or a Rachel? The angel would have appeared to her because Joseph must adopt Jesus. Be careful who you attach yourself to. Second Corinthians said, we do not judge according to the flesh. Don't let fine boy, fine girl lead you to hell. <laughs> okay, this is a different kind of Christmas message. You know, my mother used to say that Samson's name meant sunrise. Delilah's name meant feeble and bring low. He says, when sunrise met bring low, it became sunset. Be careful who you attach yourself to because you can be blessed or cursed by attachment. The whole trajectory of Mary's life changed. She became the blessed and favored one whose name would echo in eternity because she was attached to the one through whom the promise must come through. She was attached to the one who the promise must come through. I remember in Joshua, you be careful who you attach yourself to. When Achan stole, what does the Bible say? There was sin in the camp, and they went into the camp, and they went tribe by tribe, and identified a tribe. Then they went family by family, and then identified Achan. And then they went into his tent, and they brought out all the things that he had stolen. And then when it was time for punishment, what did they do? Ah! 
They took Achan, the Bible says, his sons, his daughters, his herd, his cattle, everyone attached to him. And they took them out and they stoned all of them because they were attached to the wrong person. When it comes to attaching yourself, it's not about flesh. It's about spirit. It's about destiny. So Mary was favored. Blessed are you, favored and chosen one, because she was attached to Joseph. Are you still with me? Again, like I said, this is a Christmas message, but this is a life message. Now, let's go quickly to Luke 1, 24. I want to show you something. Luke 1, 24. Now, we're getting into the preamble of the Christmas story. Luke 1, 24. It says this. Now, after this, now, we know the story. The Lord appeared to Zachariah, right? He was mute. Elizabeth became pregnant. Gabriel appeared to Zechariah, said this will happen. And so now Elizabeth is carrying John. Amen? Says she was filled with the Spirit and she was carrying John. Look at 24. Says this. Now after this, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant. And for five months, she secluded herself completely. Saying what? This is how the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor on me to take away my disgrace amongst men. Hold on. I read that and I stopped. After she became pregnant for five months, she, what did she do? She secluded herself and completely saying, this is how God has chosen to deal with me, or this is how God has chosen to deal with me. And I wrote down, I said, sometimes, there is wisdom in secluding yourself when God has done a great thing in your life. She had been believing God the whole time and then God does it and for five months, what did she do? I know the instinct is to go and announce and say, see what the Lord has done. But sometimes I wrote that there is wisdom in seclusion. And don't get me wrong, we are not, <laughs> you know, our African mentality. Our village people are always after us. I'm not asking you to go into seclusion because you're afraid that the village people will spoil what God has done 
If God started it, then he will complete it. So we are not saying go into, sub, into seclusion because we are afraid that <coughs> they cannot do what, they cannot undo what God has done. They don't have that power. They don't reach. But there is wisdom in seclusion. Why? Because live life long enough and you realize that not everyone that smiles in your face is actually for you. Not everyone who says good things on their lips and wish you well is for you. Look at Matthew 15, 7 to 8. Look at what Jesus says. Look at what Jesus says. He says what? You hypocrites, play actors, pretenders, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said what? People honor me with what? Listen, lip service is a real thing. People will say all the right things. Look at what Jeremiah 17, 9 to 10 says. Jeremiah 17, 9 to 10 says what? The heart is deceitful above all things and is extremely who can understand it and fully know its secret motives? Just because people pay you compliments and flatter you does not mean that their motives are right. Ah, come and see what the Lord has done. Yay, he has done it. But in their hearts, they are wishing you evil. So what does Elizabeth do? For five months, there is a time for everything. Look at what it says. I, the Lord, search and examine the mind. I test the heart to give each man according to his ways. You cannot do life without God. You cannot do life without God because he is the only one that searches the hearts of man. So if God is doing a big thing in your life, sometimes it is wise to seclude yourself because he saves you from fighting battles that you don't have to fight. Elizabeth secluded herself. Let's go to verse 26. We're getting to the Christmas story. We'll continue tomorrow. Amen? Look at what it says. Now in the sixth month, Luke one twenty six. put it on the screen, please. Amplified. I'm pointing and there's nothing there. I'm like, why are they not responding? <laughs> now in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was 
Joseph, a descendant of the house of David. So you see, they're telling you everything that made her favored. And guess what? And the virgin's name was, look at that. In the sixth month, I wrote down, there is an appointed time. Listen, somebody needs to hear. There is an appointed time. I say it all the time. For those who love him, there is no such thing as delay. There is an appointed time. Isn't it interesting that the Bible, very intentional, says in the sixth month, not the first month, not the second month, not the third month, but the sixth month. That means in the calendar of heaven, when salvation's plan was going to unfold, it had already been penned down that Gabriel will appear to Mary in the sixth month. Ecclesiastes 3, there is a time and season for everything under heaven. The time for your visitation has already been penned down. When you begin to realize that God is walking according to his plan and purpose, for I know the plans and the thoughts that I have concerning you, saith the Lord. That means for your life there is a plan. I know the plans and purpose. Your life is not an accident. There is somebody who is invested in your purpose. It is him that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. There is a plan. There is an appointed time. Elizabeth was barren for most of her life. But she was not barren because she was cursed. She was not barren because she was in sin or because her village people had closed her womb. She was barren or so it seemed for a time because the time that when she, for the time that she was supposed to conceive was tied directly to the time when Mary will be betrothed to Joseph in the sixth month. So Elizabeth could not have conceived until Mary grew up, until Mary found Joseph, and then they got betrothed, and then it was, and that began the cycle. Things were already connected. So while the whole time Elizabeth was believing God and crying and saying ha, woe is me. What has happened? Lord, I am 30 and I still don't have a child. Lord, I am 40 but this is not what you promised me. Lord, I am 45. Lord, I am 50. I know the plan 
for you, said the Lord. Because you must not conceive until Mary is born. And you will not conceive until Mary and Joseph meet. And then when he's betrothed to her, once he starts his betrothal, that is when you will take him. Because you are carrying John the Baptist. <laughs> you need to understand that you are not pregnant with just any mortal child. I have to delay the process because the Holy Spirit must be the only one who does this. Because what you are carrying cannot be birthed but through the Spirit. So while other people are carrying their own and you are wondering why the delay, Elizabeth, do you not understand that the one that you will carry will usher in? He must carry the spirit of Elijah. And that will not happen until Mary grows up. Because there is an appointed time. Because you must come into your sixth month for Gabriel to come and find Mary and say, Mary, blessed and favored are you because the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you shall conceive a child and you shall call him Jesus. He shall deliver the world. And he said, how will you know? Elizabeth, who has been barren for so long, is pregnant in her sixth month. You don't understand that to your, the agenda of God, the plan he has, the miracles he has, what you are carrying is not just about you. It is a sign of the testament. God will use what you are carrying on the inside to validate the promise he has given to somebody else. And if it comes before the time, then it cannot do what it is meant to do. Don't compare yourself to anyone. All of Elizabeth's friends had carried normal babies. Elizabeth, you are carrying John the Baptist. And it seems like you have been delayed. But what I have put inside of you is far greater. Do you not know I have a destiny awaiting for what you carry? Anything that comes before the time is premature. That's why what they will do when a woman takes in, they will make sure that the baby does not come before the appointed time. Stop comparing yourself to anybody else. Do you not know that I know the plans that I have for you? Plans to prosper you. Plans to prosper you. Your way, your journey is not the same. Elizabeth, all your friends were carrying mortals. You were carrying the supernatural. 
the highest, the, the, the greatest mistake, and because of my time I will stop, the greatest mistake you can make is compare yourself to anyone else. They say comparison is self-harm to yourself because you are comparing yourself with another man's journey. Listen, a sprinter is designed to run short and fast. So his preparation for sprinting is about speed because he's designed to run short and fast. Listen, a marathon runner, his own is long. So while the sprinter trains for speed, the marathon runner trains for endurance. You, who is building for endurance, See, the race is not to the swift. You who is preparing for the long journey, you begin to take your eyes off, looking on to Jesus. You begin to look at your neighbor, but God, huh, how come this person started today and already, he's already there? And then you begin to take your eyes off him and you begin to train for speed. And then you come back into your race when, when you are designed for longevity, you have compared yourself to the one who was designed for speed. For I know the plans and the thoughts that I have concerning you. Do you not know that there is an appointed time, a time to be born and a time to die? God knows when your birth date is. God knows when your death date is. However he will choose to execute his plan and purpose for your life is based on the trajectory of your life. Stop comparing yourself. But sir, I thought I would have my baby when I was 20. I thought I would have my baby when I was 30. If God said he wants you to have your baby at 60, and Sarah's womb was dead. But the one that spoke it, when the angel appears, she says, Mary says to Gabriel, how can this be? Because I know no man. And she says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you. When he comes upon you, you shall conceive. Because what God is going to do will not be birthed by man. It will not be birthed by natural means. He says, because what is impossible with man is possible with God. Because your life will be the testimony of the supernatural. There is an appointed time in the sixth month. I don't know where you might be in the journey of your life, but there is an appointed time. Delay is not denial. There is an appointed time. Hannah prayed for so many, God, 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 if you give me just one child, and that one child that God would give her, Samuel there was no one like Samuel every word he spoke never fell 
to the ground. Known as the troubler of Israel. When Samuel appeared, you knew that there was a problem. I remember the last thing I'm going to say and I'm going to stop. It's 11.05. said there was a story, I, I'm trying to remember. It said there was a conversation between an elephant and I think it was, I don't remember the animal. What, what, what was it? What was the animal? Was it a dog? And they were talking and they're saying, listen, how come, you know, the dog was saying, listen, couple weeks, six weeks, how long does it take for a dog? Six weeks? How long before a dog gives birth? It's about six, right? And my dog lovers, any? Sorry? Five. Two months, they're about. Says, listen, four to eight weeks, let's do that. How come you, me, I've had one. I can have 12, my whole litter, 12. You, you, one, almost two years. One, eight weeks, 12. You, two years, one. And the elephant says, because when you give birth, nothing happens. But when I give birth, the ground shakes. <laughs> the one that I produce shakes. Because when you see my own, my one calf can cross your 12 like this. The race is not to the swift. What God has for you is for you. Do not compare yourself to anyone. If he has spoken it, surely he will do it. If he has said it, it must come to pass. In this month of abundant gifts, sir, it is December 24. <laughs> it's like, I've not seen this thing. My whole year is about to end. There is an appointed time. But if God has said it, surely he will do it. If he has spoken it, it will come to pass the God of the 11th hour. The Bible says when the boys, the Hebrew boys are going to be thrown into the furnace, God didn't appear. When they made the proclamation, God didn't appear. When they threw them into the furnace and then they checked, says, sir, we threw three, but now we count four. The fourth man in the fire. The fourth man in your matter. The fourth man in your situation. The fourth man in your circumstance. It may look like nothing is happening, but you may not see the wind. You may not see the rain, but your valleys shall be filled with water. This week the Lord bless you. This week the Lord keep you. This week God cause his face to shine upon you. Your children and your children's children. 
the Lord will go before you like a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night in the name of Jesus. The Lord shall give you abundant gifts this week in the name of Jesus. So much gifts that your nets will break in the name of Jesus. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over shall be your reward in the name of Jesus. In your going out, you are blessed. In your coming in, you are blessed. When you lay your head down to rest, you are blessed. When you lift your head, you are blessed. He will continue to be the glory and the lifter of your head. You shall not be put to shame. In the name of Jesus, the lines are falling for you in pleasant places. The Lord has gone before you and made every crooked place straight. In the name of Jesus, situations and circumstances are yielding in your favor. In the name of Jesus, when you open up your mouth, the Lord will fill it. He shall give you a tongue that cannot be contested, that will cause your enemies to be your friend. In the name of Jesus, anyone who dares to bless you is blessed. Anyone who wishes you well is blessed. Anyone who dares to curse you is cursed. Anyone that has said that you will not see tomorrow, they shall carry it on their heads. In the name of Jesus. Those who wish your children well, their children will prosper. But those who say that evil will befall your children, they will carry it. In the name of Jesus. Where they have laid nets for you, for you and your loved ones to fall in, they will be caught in their own nets. In the name of Jesus. Their ways shall be dark and slippery. In the name of Jesus. No weapon formed against you or your household shall prosper. You shall end this year in joy. Accidents will not see you. Calamity will not see you. Wickedness will not see you. Death will not see you. In the name of Jesus, you will end this year better than the way you started. In the name of Jesus, you will dance into the new year in the name of Jesus. When the Lord turned around the captivity of Zion, you are like those who dream. Your mouth shall be filled with laughter in the name of Jesus. Where you have sown in tears, you will reap in joy. In the name of Jesus, you shall go from glory to glory. You shall go from grace to grace. You shall go from strength to strength. So shall it be in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that you were blessed. And if you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to subscribe. And if you know a fellow lion that needs to join the tribe, please be sure. Send them this link. Share this episode. God bless you.